Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Good to be here. Uh, when I go speak someplace, I usually get asked a, a standard question. I'll, uh, I'll launch into that in a second. I've, I've worked for the Geographic for about 22, 23 years, um, 33 stories so far. Um, I feel like they're my family. They are my family, truly. Um, they spoil you for working anywhere else, to be honest with you. The one question I get asked everywhere I go is, well, have you ever come close to getting killed on assignment? And, you know, certainly I, I hang out with things that can chomp and chew you up, I guess. Bears that try to figure out various ways of getting into your rusty Chevy van that won't start. Um, one lady asked me if I ever had been killed on assignment. And I said, no, <laughs> not, not quite, not quite yet. So far, you know, as far as being bitten, just, just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I've been lucky. I mean, those are my boots up the tree and you notice the tops of the boots are wet. Don't ask why. You know, the reality is this is, a, this is a trained bear that you could take with you. There's a lot of trained bears for the movie industry, and so I try to gravitate towards the things I know are visually loaded, where I can get some pictures no matter what. But, uh, you know, really, truly, the closest I've come is dogs, believe it or not. Some dogs are a little worse than others, I guess. <laughs> So far, I've been, uh, so far, I've been very fortunate. Come home with a few really nasty diseases, the occasional flesh-eating parasite, that kind of thing. But uh, bugs, that's about all that's bitten me over the years. You're looking at the feet of a very desperate photographer who hadn't made a good picture in three whole days, and so off come the shoes and socks, right? Um, the other question I get all the time is, do you have support at home? What's your wife think of it? Well, my wife, she, uh, she's had her picture taken a few too many times. Sometimes she gets a little impatient with me, but I have had her support over the years. My grandmother uh, has also been very supportive to me. Um, we snuck some Jack Daniels into the nursing home that day. Uh, of course, I have three very, very dear uh, children to me. My oldest son, Cole, when he was younger, ruining a perfectly good evening in the Grand Canyon. Uh, middle daughter, Ellen, she's always been, always been there for me. I actually learned that you, uh, the camera is a great disciplinary tool for parenting because when they're crying and you break out the camera, they shape right up. They don't want to be photographed. And my youngest son, Spencer, he's more of a, a professional fit thrower. He works in fits the way a, a painter would work in oils. Um, he um, he throw fits all the time at home, of course, but if we go out on the town, that's fine too. Um, it, he, his fit throwing knows no bounds, really. Could be Easter Sunday, that's okay. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. So of course, to create a, I can't show this on our holiday card, so we take a family picture each year because that's important to show what we really look like. So we'll have an early one. It's been three weeks, Santa's gotta go. Oh, what else have we done? Looks like we formed a cult one year. I got me a little wife that year, it looks like. Uh, oh, what else? This, this was kind of a bad one. I, I, woke up, uh, I woke up with this thought in my head. We should illustrate this for the Christmas card this year. It's a I woke up with this phrase. We just can't quit you, old Saint Nicotine. That's wrong, isn't it? That's terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. Not quite as bad as this year's, though. We got our card out so late. Christmas was over by the time we sent it. That's just... That's just bad. That's terrible. The other question I get all the time from folks is I, I get asked, well, how do you get a job with National Geographic? That's got to be a lot of fun. Well, sometimes it's fun when the pictures work out. I, uh, my story is I went to the University of Nebraska, where the N stands for knowledge. That's correct. And um, 
I just, I took the kind of pictures in college and then my first newspaper job, I worked for a newspaper in Kansas for six years. I just took the kind of pictures I thought were interesting or weird. And I've been that way ever since. I just look for things that I think are odd, like the mother-daughter look-alike contest at the <laughs> Iowa State Fair or the uh, hypnotist act there. I look for things today. I shoot the same way today as I did in college. I guess you could say the cockroach tractor pull at Indiana is a good one. Um, oh, a girl that looks just like her cow, unfortunately. That's too bad. Really is a shame. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, this was a good one. This is the slingshot ride at Minnesota. I enjoy this because the, uh, I put a remote camera in there so I could take pictures of people as they're shot up into the air. They're pulling 4Gs and they're just really terrified. But what I liked is the ride op operator was a smart businessman. You guys take notes that are, that are in business. He put a live microphone in there and he broadcast what filth people screamed as they were being shot in the sky. So the more obscenities, the longer the line. That's pretty, that's pretty smart, that's pretty smart. Most of the time though, I'm known for my work in conservation and I do like conservation because it go, these are pictures that can go to work and hopefully make the world a better place. I'm very concerned about the natural world. Did a story on koalas and so I loaded up with the things that I think are very visual and will get people to stop and read the story, it could, be, it could be moms, human moms that take in orphan koalas to raise them. It's so cute, you know, or it could just be weird, you know, like a guy that dresses up as a koala to go to schools. I have no idea what his dog is doing, but I, I liked it just fine. Now, I do these pictures, I do these pictures to be sneaky. I, I want to be sneaky, a little bit sneaky. I have ulterior motives. I want to show this because this is more the story of koalas. I loaded up with the sexy, interesting pictures and then slipped this in. People wouldn't read an entire story that was depressing. Well, this is a little depressing. North of Brisbane, this is where the koalas live, the Ninth Fairway. What do you think happens to koalas that are stuck or stranded in a little bitty sliver of habitat? Well, they get stranded in neighborhoods. They get hit by cars. They get attacked by dogs. This one's had his skull crushed by a dog. I knew before I left home, though, how bad it was because I tried to do my homework in order to get this picture. This picture is of a dozen, this is, the, this is the result of one week's worth of dead koalas at one clinic. And the nursing staff there was tired of dealing with it. A mom and her baby were put together because they were both killed by a dog. This picture that runs in the magazine and then gets attention all over the world moves the ball a little bit. That's why I do this, to move the ball forward. Because until our story, Australia, the government didn't even, didn't even think that the koala was in trouble, wouldn't list it as imperiled or endangered, certainly in the northern part of the country, even though there's two to three years worth of koalas left in northern Australia, north of Brisbane. Well, that's not good enough. And so I go there, do this picture. And certainly, I don't know that this picture did it entirely, but it certainly helped the government of Australia three weeks after our story comes out saying, yeah, okay, okay. We'll list it as imperiled. We'll give it some protection. So that's why I do what I do constantly. Do I have to load stories up? Sure, I have to load them up visually. I have to get people to care about, let's say, animal migrations in North America. This is a mountain goat that's migrated vertically to lick salt off of rocks, death-defying feet. Um, bats, I want to show lots and lots of ways to get people interested in bats. Why? Because bats are in a lot of trouble. There's turbine fields marching across our country, and it's complicated. This is a complicated subject. Green energy, it's not as easy as you think, and this worries me tremendously. These bats get whacked by the vortices created by the blades. They can echolocate the blade, but not the vortice, and it pops the capillaries in their lungs, and down they go. 
So each turbine that we surveyed, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, not even a particularly bat-rich place, 32 dead bats and five birds per year per turbine taken. This is a complicated issue. And I'm trying to get this across to a public that seems to be getting dumber every year. Seriously, not you guys. <laughs> but truly, if we are so distracted constantly, you ever try to read anything on the internet? It is, we're constantly interrupted. How do we come up with new thoughts and new innovations when we're constantly distracted by this bell or dong or buzz or whatever it is? We're staring at our hands to the point where how do we really get a complicated issue that might take a couple minutes to explain. How do we get that into people's heads that this matters, that this is something we should care about? The story of the Snake River sockeye salmon is more complicated than that. The year I covered it for the Endangered Species Act, they had one male come back to spawn in Idaho. They were squeezing him over and over again to get sperm. And the, that run is about done. Well, the dams help contribute to that on the Columbia River. Now, these dams, this is complicated. These dams do take a lot of salmon, but so does overfishing and logging and mining. And these dams smelted so much aluminum because they provide so much cheap electricity and very clean. They smelted so much aluminum, it helped us build the planes that won the war in the skies over Japan and Europe in World War II. And so it comes at a trade-off, though, as we spread out. There are big trade-offs. Now, the salmon's a very dramatic story that, that probably none of you have heard of in that, in that case of that species. How do I get people to care about this? It's the size of my pinky nail. It's an aquatic roly-poly bug that lives right here. That's the last spot outside of Socorro, New Mexico. The Socorro isopod hot spring snail. Couple guys know about it. That's the spot. How do I get people to care? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm certainly discouraged after we cover something like this, a catastrophic event that happens in our own waters, and we watch that pipe spew that crud live on CNN for weeks and months. You know how nasty it is. You're drilling in five miles, five miles down in an ocean. You know it's hard to control. And I burn petroleum like everybody else. I want petroleum, certainly, but is it really 350 a gallon? <laughs> you think it's 350 a gallon? I don't think it's 350 a gallon. And when we run this story, what happens? Do we change our ways? No, because the price of the pump didn't go up. It didn't really hurt us in the pocketbook. This opened my eyes thinking, well, money, money is what people respond to. That's it. All right. Well, that is true, but it's not true all the time. I try to get people, of course, sucked in again. If I'm doing a story on the Albertine Rift in Uganda, I shoot the elephants, of course, but I shoot birds at my plate. I shoot, a, I shoot something that's very unique, a single group of warthogs and a single group of mongoose, mongoose that cooperate, provide a warthog tick cleaning station. All right, that's different enough. We put up camera traps now constantly. We have to bring things that are new to our readership and get them to care and get them interested because we're competing against TV, we're competing with the internet, and still photographs are so quiet. They are so quiet, aren't they? Still, people do respond to stills. They love the big charismatic megafauna. That's fine. And I slip this in in the middle of the story, which actually tells more of the story than pictures of mountain gorillas, which we've seen before. This is the edge of Queen Elizabeth National Park. You can see there's not much grazing land there, but there's plenty once you get inside the park. And so lions are being affected. All predators are. And we slip this message into the story that's visually loaded with all these other pictures. These guys are actually running their cattle inside the park. They have to. They don't have a choice, of course. Lions will kill a cow now and then, or a hyena. They'll sprinkle poison all over the carcass the next day, and down go the lions, all the predators. 
They say in Queen Elizabeth National Park and perhaps most of Uganda, lions have 10 years left, hyenas less. Wow, that's news I can use. That's a story. And, and our readership, they're smart. They know how to fix this problem. You convince these guys, you pay these guys to run fewer cattle. That's what you do. Totally that's what you do. Beyond that, what do you do? Well, again, get people into the tent. How do we get people in the tent? We'll come up with whatever we have to. Like Greg's critter cam, we'll mount something to a, to a vehicle so we literally can get up and put the camera into position right on top of the animals. Whatever it takes to bring home new and different. And video's important as well as still now. This is important as we go to more interactive media, like our iPad. You can take the lights down a little bit. 